0: Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The (sighs) Boar's Nest. in this fight. All right, text the word Bobby, it's only six numbers, to seven eight five eight three three. Again, text the word Bobby to just these six numbers, seven eight five eight three three. 833 Welcome to episode 242. We'll talk to Clint Black in just a little bit. Always fun to talk to people you loved when you were a kid. He's got new music out too, but we definitely get into a lot of the 90s stuff. Uh, before we turn the mics on here, Mike, you had asked me if I'd heard the new Dixie Chick song. Yeah. And I have it because I guess the song came out today, right? Yeah. I woke up today, and for the first time in five years, I want to play golf today. Eddie and Amy's husband Ben and I want to play it, so I haven't really done anything. I just, you know, we're going to go over music here, but I'm just not feeling a lot of music right now, oddly. For a music podcast, I don't know if, if it's because I'm really not listening to as much music, because I'm not commuting ever, mm. um, or... If nothing's really hitting me right now, and we'll go through some new stuff, maybe some of this stuff will hit you. But I was more excited to talk to Clint Black about the 90s than I am anything new coming out today. <laughs> you know, um, I think a lot of people are feeling that way right now. Once we get back to uh, uh, somewhat normal, I think some of our normal habits will kind of kick back in. But I,
1: have you been listening to new music at all? Mm, this week is probably like the first week I started listening to some new
0: stuff. What did you listen to? that's new.
1: Um, I listened to like I've been listening to Machine Gun Kelly a lot, and he put out a new song today, and I was checking it out. and he, It's weird because I know him as a rapper, but a lot of the stuff he's putting out is a lot more alternative sounding. Is he singing? Yeah, and he's playing guitar a lot, so, so I, I every, like the sound.
0: Everybody being Post Malone now, basically.
1: Pretty much. He, like he didn't never he didn't have that sound before. Now it's like he's on alternative radio. It's
0: weird. Kind of feel like Post Malone. Created that space, of like using, rapper, but you can also do rock if you know how to play guitar.
1: Yeah, using real instruments. That's all. Yeah, that's all him.
0: All right. Well, let's start with some new music out this week, and I will start with the Dixie Chicks song because you had brought that up to me. The Dixie Chicks were supposed to put out "Gaslighter" the whole album. Mm-hmm. It was the first record in fourteen years, but it been has been pushed back indefinitely because of Corona. But they did put out this new song, and it is called Juliana, Juliana or Juliana. Juliana. Ju- you said both. Juliana. Somehow you said Juliana and I <laughs> Jul- in the same word. Uh, here is Juliana, calm down. I guess this is the time to remind you Sometimes what's going through your head Is just a temporary situation Cool vibe. Yeah, I can't really find the chorus because I'm hearing it from a random time. Is that the chorus? Like that part towards like maybe 20 seconds into the chorus.
2: Put on, put on, and Katie, calm down.
0: You know, it sounds like a slightly country Florence in the Machine. Oh yeah, it kind of does. I was hearing it and I was going, all right, what am I hearing here? Play, play that from the beginning again, just with a clip. I guess this is the time to remind you.
1: A temporary situation. Do
0: you hear that? Like the Florence mm-hmm. Welch kind of. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I'll probably like that. I can't tell from hearing this one clip of a song. Uh, but that sounds like, like my kind of vibe. They're oddly hard to get a hold of, meaning they didn't want to be interviewed or they don't want me to interview them. And I think I've been one of their biggest advocates, oddly, but I can't get any of them to talk to me, which is weird because usually that's not the not the case. It's the opposite. People are trying to get on because of, you know, the platform that we have. So, but the Dixie Chick has been weird because I've been like pro Dixie Chick forever and they just have been like, oh, we're getting away from Bobby. We ain't talking to him. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. Uh, let's go Here and Now from Kenny Chesney. This is record 19. Is that right? Yeah. Dang. Here's the title track, Here and Now. <laughs> And here's a song called Everyone She Knows. She's
2: born with all the boys And the men damn She's sick of summer love But the winter's just too cold She's a Maryland blue jeans With a touch
0: I mean, it definitely sounds like Kenny. That's crazy. It's the 19 records. I mean, Kenny was out... You know, when he started, some of those guys that are just called 90s country were still around kicking. Mm-hmm. And they're considered 90s country. But Kenny started then as well and has managed to... Continue. Look up when his first record came out.
1: I think I think I looked it up earlier. It was like ninety one. I want to say,
0: wow. Was it?
1: I, I was looking through all yeah. his albums earlier just to make sure.
0: Like Kenny and McGraw are two guys where if they had stopped after a few big records or had kind of petered out, they'd be considered legacy acts. But they have just continued to produce, continue to put out hits. Man, if it was ninety one, I'll be shocked. Let's see. Studio albums. Oh, 94. Even then, it's early. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, good for him. I like Kenny. I, I got to sit with Kenny once or sit with Kenny on stage and it was just him and I and he played acoustic the whole time. And we would talk and do interviews and make jokes and stuff. But he's a, just a really good singer, you know? You, when you think of the big singers, you don't think of Kenny Chesney. You think of a guy, Kenny just puts out the beach hits. and But just sitting there acoustic with a guitar, was uh surprisingly good. Uh, The K is Silent from Hot Country Nights. This is Dirk Bentley's 90s-influenced comedy band. This was always a bit difficult because the songs are pretty good. They're even good and funny. But it was always weird to talk to them on radio because it's such a visual Mm thing. And I would feel like sometimes it wouldn't come across like I wanted it to on radio because unless you could see them, you really weren't getting the joke. Because it just sounds like Dirks Dirk Bentley making jokes. And so that was, this was always a thing that we had to juggle on the radio with Dirks as Doug Douglasson because he would come on and be moderately funny, but what he was wearing was hilarious. <laughs> but people can't see what he's wearing when they're listening live. So that was always a juggle for me. I would imagine they're kind of done with this project at this point, especially they were going to go on a little tour, mm-hmm. but that got cut, as did everybody else's. But they had songs that were good, that were aside from the funniness of it, had good hooks. Now uh, here is, uh, sorry, Hot Country Nights with Travis Tritt, a song called Pick Her Up.
2: Pick her up in a pickup truck. Take her out to a honky Turn an up. Dance around to an old jukebox. If you really
0: You know what's funny is, the, the three artists we've talked about so far, and then we're going to get to Clint Black in a second. Dixie Chicks, 90s, 2000s. Kenny Chesney started in 94, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, 94. And then Dark Spentley's band is a 90s uh, pop parody band. I mean, that 90s is mm. it's the real retro in vogue thing right now. Either you came from the 90s and you're making a new sound or you're new and you're making a 90s sound. As long as you got some feeling of the 90s, people are like, oh, I accept that. That's pretty cool. Do you feel that at all? I, why is that though, the 90s? Well, I think that's when country music went massively mainstream. So all the big stars are there. You think it'll ever shift to a different decade, or is just something about the '90s? I think that that was the Garth Brooks, Brooks and Dunn. I mean, I think for a while it was probably the '60s. Mm. I don't know there was ever a '70s and '80s boom. Maybe a you know, but but '90s and I don't think the '2000s were great. Just generally speaking, I think it's you know the most songs. When you think of all those massive songs from the 90s, I mean, McGraw, Garth, Dixie Chicks, even you know Chesney, Joe Diffie, Clint Black. Gonna, I mean, it was just a really good time for country music. A lot of money was going in to support it because they were seeing that it could make a lot of money. So I can't see the 2000s. Hmm. Maybe you, know, you have like a Luke Combs tribute band later in life. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, which Luke has a new song out too. That's interesting now. I'm going to think about that. Why the 90s? Couple of reasons. One, I think the age of all the people making decisions were 90s listeners. Mm. The adults now were big 90s kids. So the people that are making the decision as adults, the, the music that's getting made, the, the artists for a lot of them were, were 90s influenced. I think that's probably what it is. And then the stars. That's the, the biggest up, generation yeah. of country stars. Uh, Luke Combs has officially released Six Feet Apart. We played the YouTube version a couple weeks ago, but this song is up to stream.
2: I miss my mom, I miss my dad. I miss the road, I miss my band. It hugs and shaking hands. It's a mystery, I suppose.
0: Just to... You know, I saw the title of this, and I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast. I thought, how in the world is he going to do a song that's not cheesy about quarantine? Because I've heard a hundred of them, and... They're almost all cheesy. Mm-hmm. This is a pretty good one. I mean, everything he writes right now just turns into gold. Uh, I played the I, I, he played the Opry and I was hosting it last week. And it was great. He played this at the Opry last week. Uh, Kip Moore put out a new song called Crazy for You Tonight. And I'm my yeah, I'm just crazy, crazy for you tonight. Brett Young put out a new song called Lady. Here's Brett Young
1: like your mama and love her like I do you'll see close to perfect patience if you watch your every move you can always run to daddy
0: let me see what else we got here i got some other stuff um mm, 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 mm. what's your favorite on the list here i don't want to go through all these what's your favorite on the list that we haven't played um, oh, i do see your machine gun kelly song yeah the machine gun kelly let me hear this one It does sound like uh, Fall Out Boy meets like an angry Blink-182. It has that two thousand yeah. funk rock feel. Yeah, it does. Pretend, like it that's straight alternative stuff. That's y- not, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I would never guess that was Machine Gun Kelly. Huh. I mean, that sounds like your style, though. Yeah, very much so. It sounds like it Sounds like he showed up late for Warp Tour about five years. Yeah. <laughs> like his style is a little, little beyond that, but he could have fit in. Um, Marshmello and Halsey. I saw them laying on the ground together on Instagram. I Mm -hmm. guess like a promo for this song. This is called Be Kind. All right, all right, all right. Um, Let's see if there's anything else I want to... I'll just mention some of this. Um, Haim. Haim? Haim. I thought it was Haim. Haim. But when I got no reaction back to Haim... (laughs) I am. I'm the three sisters. They have a I know alone. Don't need to play that. Uh, Gabby Barrett has a song featuring Shane and Shane.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know what Shane and Shane is. <clears throat> I thought it was like a Shane and Shane company. <laughs> no, like a jewelry company. Do you ever see that commercial? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a Christian duo.
0: Oh, it is. Yeah. I imagine both are named Shane. Shane and Shane. All right. Mm. Hardy has a new song called Boots. Let me hear a little bit of Mitchell Tenpenny's cover of Someone You Loved by Louis Capaldi. Now the day for here to Okay, start, start this again. Let's start it over. And I I like Mitchell. Know Mitchell a little bit. Is he using auto-tune on this? Yeah, you can hear it. <laughs> I thought so too. It's like, man, you, if you're gonna chase one of these really big vocal songs. And he's a good singer. <laughs> Let me hear this again. Now the day bleeds. Yeah, you can yeah. hear it kind of teeping. Odd choice of a song to pick if you have to use auto tune. Mm-hmm. By the way, everybody is pitch shifted a little bit. I've only known a couple of artists that go in and go, "Don't touch it, my vocal." That's Carrie's one of them. Carrie, they'll, maybe they'll put some effect on it, but they don't pitch shift her, her vocal. It's very noticeable. Wow. Um, I mean, I would Bridging well, idiot stuff. I would just pitch shift all of it. So like, yeah, we're doing this. This everybody knows. <laughs> like Emoji Love Song. I think a lot of that we just were like. And instead of having to fix little parts, let's just shift the whole thing so people know it's very obviously. Mm-hmm. Not the live version, uh, but the, the studio version. By the way, yes, I'm comparing Emoji Love Song" <laughs> by the Raging Idiots to... Uh, let's see, and Hardy has a new song called Boots. Um, the alt-country band American Aquarium. Now, I don't know who they are, but are they good? I kind of like the sound, yeah. I wouldn't have thought you'd have put this up if you didn't think it was cool. Yeah,
1: I heard it and I was like,
0: I could probably see myself listening. to this. All right, let me hear, hold on. The alt-country band, American Aquarium. All right, I'm into it. They have a new album out called Lamentations. Lamentations? I think so. Okay. Here's a song called The Luckier You Get. Let me see if I dig it. The you work, the luckier you get. The more you get it done, less the less do you regret. It sounds a little bit like uh, Tom Petty and the, the, mm-hmm. the Wallflowers. The Wallflowers meets The Wallflowers. Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers meets the Wallflower okay. is what I'm trying to say. Tom Petty also has an album called Wildflower. I, think. I got all these in my head, but I would say <laughs> it's like the Wallflowers meets Tom Petty. That's cool. All right, all right. Let me see here. Yeah. Tom Petty's album, Wildflower. I can't talk. Wildflowers is uh, one of my favorite records. I just want to make sure I said that right. Were you ever a Tom Petty fan? not really the song you belong along the wildflowers you know that one? I don't think so yeah, that's a good one and then you don't know how it feels no you don't know how it feels to be me you know that one? I know that one yeah that's a good one let me see what else is on you wreck me baby you wreck me into. you know that one? let's see god this song is so many this song? No, that's here, It's fire. That's cherry. Yeah, that is not a Petty's. This, yeah, this is. Yeah, that's a jam. Do you know this one? I don't know this one. God, this reminds me. I'm not even interested in new music. I would sit here on this record for a long time. <laughs> that's what we should do. We should break down our favorite albums and all the songs on it. Because I'm looking at this like, no, track five. It's good to be king. It's good to be king if just for a day. See if you know this one. Let's see. Don't think so. When your bulldog barks and your canary sings. No? mm Mm-mm. Man, this is a jam jam album. Top twenty album for me here, for sure. a while, to be there in velvet, yeah, to give them a smile. Nothing? Nothing. Man, you're missing out. <laughs> Never come down. All right. Well, that's it. We want to upda- update you on new music, and um, also we're going to uh, t- play this Clint Black interview. i kind of stumbly today. I was out in the sun today for four hours playing golf, and I think the sun is not cooperating with my body at this point because it's been months since I've seen it. Too much vitamin D for one day. I think I'm overdosing (laughs) on vitamin D. Okay, here, uh, we'll take a little break, come back with Clint Black. Enjoy. Hey, Clint. It's Bobby. How's it going?
2: Hey, Bobby. Well, it's going nowhere fast.
0: <laughs> yeah, that I get. I feel. I saw today. It was like day fifty with no sports. Day four. I mean, it does feel like a big old blur, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, it starts to just not matter what day of the week it is.
0: <laughs> well, before we get rolling here, uh, we're already rolling. But before we get like moving through, I just want to tell you, I'm a, and I think I've I've mentioned this to you before, but I'm just a massive fan of yours. So it's. It's really exciting for me to get to talk to you.
2: Well, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of yours, but I really wasn't a massive fan until I saw you dance. <laughs>
0: well, I, you probably, yeah, That that isn't a good look for me with you, so we'll, we'll move away from that. Oh, my God. No, yeah. I uh,
2: I was asked to do that show a couple of times, and uh, there's it's just absolutely no way on <laughs> earth. You're a brave man. Well, you know, obviously you have the chops, too, I I would have uh I only dance the silly dance to make my family laugh.
0: Well, I feel like that's what I should do. Just only the silly dance. Well, it, it, you <laughs> know, I'm excited to see that you're putting out uh, a new record coming out. Hey, tell me about Out of Sane because I was thinking about this. Is that the is that the opposite of insane, out of sane?
2: You know, it's actually uh there are multiple interpretations of that. And uh it really comes from little you know, play online from one of the songs, uh, song title is, uh, what I knew then. Um, and the line is, uh, a little in and out of sane." so I didn't like any of the song titles. I usually will name an album after one of the song titles that sums it up. But I didn't like any of them for that. The same with my last album on purpose. So I just scoured the lyrics for something that made sense. And, uh, and when I when I thought of that when I thought this is, you know, serious seriously speaking, um, that, you know, the writing of songs, the creating of music is really, you know, born out of out of sanity. And uh and then you go through the recording process and by the time it's down to all the music's recorded and now I'm trying to mix it and make sure scientifically everything has its place and it's going to sound good on any system it's played on. It just becomes a science and it's just, it's really kind of borders on insanity at that point. It's no longer this art form. It's a science and, and, and it's just five hours of sleep a night and working on that, you know, for, eighteen hours a day and by the time I get to the end of making an album there's a reason I don't I only do one about every five years now. Um I'm getting no sleep. I want it to be over. And so I start out sane and end up insane and uh and I thought that really it really sums it up. When I always wanted to use that photo for the cover with that uh American flag guitar of mine and I thought that that also brings in another interpretation because it seems our country, you know, is a little in and out of same. And uh, just depending on what cycle we're in. So I thought this is this is a title that anybody can see any any way they want for their own uses. But for me, it spoke to the album, it spoke to the process, which, uh, is, you know. It's not uh, iron work, which I've done, <laughs> you right? Know, uh, but it's uh, but it gets to be grueling at one point. You just
0: uh, need to need to call it finished, but not until it's right. Well, the full album is set for a June nineteenth release. Do you, and you know we're six or so weeks out from that. Do you feel like any of this that's happening now is going to affect that release date, or are you determined that that's the date the project's coming out?
2: Oh, we're firm. We're firm on it. Uh, we've got the video. The, uh, the second and third uh, instant grat tracks are, are uh, lined up and ready to go. It's all in the system. And I've just gotten my little, I'm going to call it a broadcast studio. It's my recording studio, but I've finally gotten all the elements. You know, it's hard. It's, uh, it's a lot of stuff like this is back ordered, You know, I needed a converter to go from my... Um, uh, you know, my 4K camera into the computer to use it, you know, for live streaming. And also wanted to tie that in with Pro Tools. So it's been this step-by-step process of getting to the point where I can start live streaming and and promoting the album from my studio.
0: I've been watching this, The Last Dance, which is the the, the Bulls documentary. I think they've put out four episodes now, and... You know, it's about, you know, Michael Jordan's, his, his final season with the Bulls. And they do this really cool thing where they go back in time, current, back in time, current, that kind of thing. And if you'll, um, you know, kind of indulge me a little bit, i like to do that now where I want to talk about new stuff and then kind of do a flashback and then come back and forth with a new project. You, will you indulge me in this, this type of... Uh, absolutely, all right, yeah. Perfect. We'll see how it goes. Um, I, I, like you, had a lot of jobs before I kind of got into what I'm doing now. Where I worked, I worked at a marina and did bait work as well. You were, were you a bait cutter? What was that job about?
2: That was, uh, my uh, one of the guys at my uh, management company when he was taking down stuff about me. You know what I what I'd done. Uh, he was basically putting together a simple bio, and uh, and he laughed and said, "I'm going to put because I was an iron worker. I worked in security." Uh, as a consultant salesman and, uh, sold security services and I actually didn't, I starved, but, uh, um, you know, I had, uh, you know, I was a newspaper solicitor had a paper route as a kid, you know, and he, he laughed and said, I'm going to put down bait cutter and fishing guide. And I laughed and, uh, and then suddenly it's in a newspaper and it went everywhere, and so it, 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 was, it was not true, <laughs> and I thought he was kidding, but, you know, they had managed rock and roll acts, and uh, I was their first country act, and I think maybe you know, they uh, <laughs> it's like Kenny Loggins told me once, he said, when I'm not doing anything interesting, I'm paraphrasing, he said, I'll make stuff up and say I'm somewhere I'm not, and, uh, I, and just after he told me that, I was I was doing an interview over the phone, and the and, uh, interviewer asked me, uh, so where are you calling from? I said, I'm in Barbados. <laughs> really? What are you doing in Barbados? And I said, I'm not really in Barbados. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I couldn't even do it.
0: That's uh, funny. So well, you never were a bait cutter, but now it's it's that's been part of your bio legacy all these years.
2: Yep, yep. People still want uh, want me to tell them where the fish are.
0: That's funny because I literally was a bait cutter, and I don't put that in my bio anymore. I was a cricket grabber because I would, I would uh, shovel crickets into tubes for people. I would cut bait. I would catch shad and, and give them out. I was a bit of a, a small, small-time fishing guide. And, man, maybe I should put that in my bio. People ask me about that because I was really interested to hear that story.
2: You know, you want that word to get around so when this job falls apart on you, you know, <laughs> you'll have somewhere to go. People, the demand will be there.
0: I wonder, you know, as you have this new record, uh, we're weeks away from it coming out, and, you know, you are a guitar player. Uh, are, you, are you playing lead on the record?
2: I play most of the, uh, yeah, most of the electric guitar stuff. I do some slide dobro and uh, electric slide.
0: Yeah. Do you find I that I started
2: you... that with uh, the the uh, nothing but the tail lights album when Stroud heard my demos, and he said you should play guitar on this. Well, Hayden Nicholas, my lead guitar player, really got me started when we we're writing songs one day, and he said, you know, with your finger picking style, you could play licks like this Ray Flack stuff. And I laughed and laughed, and uh, he said, no, really. And he, he taught me some things to practice, and I went home and got a little. You know, I had a sequencer, I yeah, call it a metronome. And I started practicing slowly and sped it up until I was convinced I can play stuff like this. And so I played most of the uh, everything but uh, three songs on nothing but the Tail Lights, And uh, and then I did the Electrified, which was all acoustic and there wasn't much to do there. And then I started doing it again and, uh, on the On Purpose album. I really dug into it and made myself take on a lot of that work. Whereas you know I might reach out to Hayden to hurry it along or, or, or Steve Warner or Brent Mason, you know, cause they can do it in a flash. And, uh, I decided I'm, I'm going to take the time. It takes me longer, but, uh, if I can make myself happy as the producer artist, then I'm going to do it. And, uh, so it's, it's really satisfying and, and, and it's been a really, uh, it's, it's been a real, you know, I, I, I like, you'd like to think you're going to get better with age. Right. <laughs> and the fact that I can play guitar solos on tuckered out now, which is our barn burner really convinced me that I, there's still room for growth. Uh, but I have to work really hard for it.
0: I'm going to run some numbers by you here. Um, uh- The number is 1991. You were chosen by People Magazine as one of the 50 most beautiful people in the entire world. How vivid is that memory when you got that call?
2: You know what? I just flashed on all the makeup and wardrobe it took to earn that title. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, it's funny. I can't even remember. uh, You know, I, I can't even remember that so much was happening to me coming at me uh happening for me um i remember now that you say it that uh that i was given that uh but uh no i can't remember that feeling um you know i i, I imagine i'm on the bus with the band and 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 they're all mocking me <laughs> that's probably what we were doing
0: whenever something like that that's outside of the country genre happens, because that's very mainstream. Do you start for, to hear from other people that you thought you would never hear from, that to go, hey, I, I saw you in People magazine, I also like what you're doing, I just haven't reached out yet?
2: No, not, in, not really in that way. I would, I would meet people outside my genre. I assume you're talking about other artists.
0: Yeah, artists, um, actors, anyone that was like, hey, I saw comedian. you in People magazine, Yeah.
2: Yeah, but it was never it was never clear to me that one thing was happening because of the other. I would meet people like uh Gary Shandling at the when he was hosting the Grammys and he said, "Hey, you should do my show. You should come on and let's you know goof around." And so I I did his show and and uh ended up going and playing basketball over at his house every Sunday for you know, quite a while and Meeting a lot of people over there. I think that's how Kevin Nealon and I became friends. Um, I, I, you know, I met Eric Idle because, uh, Lisa worked with a fr- fitness trainer who trained Eric's wife. And, uh, uh, and so I said, uh, I said, hey, would you give this phone number to, uh, uh, to Tanya and, uh, and see if uh, I want. I'm going to record a Monty Python song and see if uh, if he would be willing to do something on it. And so that led to working with him uh, and becoming friends with him, and then meeting people through him, uh, other comedians and actors, and 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 it just never. It never. I, I never. Just. I never really knew. Okay. Well, this is because. Of my music, or it's just because I reached out, or I met someone through someone else.
0: You have 22 number one singles. What's the when you play the first lick of what song do people react loudest to? Uh,
2: well, that killing time lick uh, on the intro is uh, pretty definitive. Uh, Better man is really recognizable, and and those were, you know, those were huge for me. Like the rain, of course, I don't do the intro lick in concert from like the rain i I wrote another little uh acoustic guitar piece that I do on the front end of that, and then when I start singing it, they know, and uh, nothing but the tail lights that lick really recognizable
0: um, with some of these songs that you play and you have played for you know this at this point for thirty years. Do you ever go, man? I want to switch up this arrangement because I'm I'm kind of bored with playing the same song over and over and over again. Like you want to play it for the fans, but you want to switch it up a little bit. Does, has that happened at all?
2: Yeah, I'm really careful about that. Uh, I I I keep in mind that they have some ownership in it and uh, an attachment, and and so you know, I'm a music fan. When I see someone in concert, I, I've seen that happen and. Not liked it, and I've also seen it and liked it. Um, I've done that on records where I, I did a, uh, a version of Put Yourself in My Shoes, a real slow blues version with a 12-piece horn section instead of harmonica, and uh, I did that for the second greatest hits, uh, Extra Tracks. And I did a version of uh, No Time to Kill with Bruce Hornsby that was a real funky version. And I played around with a bad goodbye and I felt felt some liberties with that because I wasn't doing it with Winona, so the song wasn't going to be what it was anyway. I messed around with a a different arrangement, but I'm careful. I try to be careful about it.
0: The new song that I was listening to before I called you is America, Still in Love With You. I'm going to play a little bit of that real quick and I'm going to ask you a couple thoughts about it. Here's a clip of America, Still in Love With You.
2: I'm still in love with you, in spite of all our ups and downs. We've gone our separate ways, but we've come back
0: around. So, you wrote that with Steve Warner, eh? Yep. So, tell me about that day when you guys go into the room to do this.
2: Well, Steve had been coming over. We'd been doing stuff together, just hanging out. He would come by. For one reason or another, and uh and and every time I'd say you you, you didn't bring your new Steve Warner Gretsch, I i ordered one, I, and and it was taking a while to get it, and I hadn't seen his, and, and oh I forgot, and so one day I said well you just have to come over with the intent of bringing that guitar, so you won't forget it. So he came over one day just to show me that, and we were playing around with it, and after we had after we'd played around for a while, I said, uh, I said, Oh, I have this, uh, new song idea. I've got a, and I told it to him and it was kind of the basics of the chorus. Uh, sounds like a love song, you know, to a, to a woman and you get to the end of the chorus and, and, uh, America is the lady and he just reacted perfectly. Just couldn't, Oh, I didn't see that coming. And yeah, we got to write that. And, uh, And I just launched into it. I said, what what could we do musically? And we started playing around, and we just dove right in, literally standing around the the kitchen, the den off the kitchen. And once I saw that we had a structure and a direction on the uh, verses, I uh, started texting musicians to see who was available. And within about four days, uh, we were all in the studio recording it. And uh, I knew I had to hurry in order to make the, the deadline for this album, and I wanted it to be on the album. Uh, my love of the song and the message, uh, but also it just went so well with the cover, and uh, it just has to be on there. And I literally made it about the same day as my deadline, got the master delivered.
0: Well, the video's out too now, so people can check out not only the song, but "America Still In Love With You, the music video is out, so man, still making the videos. So, are they harder to make now or easier?
2: They're harder to make in quarantine. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was uh, again just ordering pieces, and they would come, and it was the wrong piece. Uh, you know, I would order a lens I thought I needed, and turned out, you know, it just wasn't gonna wasn't gonna work for the. Uh, for the framing, and, uh, you know, back in the day, you know, making them for RCA, of course, I had these, you know, great budgets, about $85,000, and uh, I worked with a uh, video producer, uh, Brent Hedgecock, who really enabled me to be a director when I wasn't really a director, but I got to write the treatments, I would write out a treatment for the video, and he would budget it out, and he would come back and he'd say, that's, that's about a $300,000 video. You've got to cut more than $2,000, $200,000 worth of ideas out of this video. <laughs> and so that would happen every time. And uh, so uh, we'd finally get it, uh, get it down to where it fit the budget and we would go shoot it. And he was so much fun to work with such a creative guy. Uh, that when he no longer produced videos, um, I really lost my enthusiasm for it for a while. And, uh, I, I really just kind of stopped. And then, uh, you know, when I started putting out these, uh, these records on purpose and, uh, and this one, you know, the management company, the first, uh, video I did in a while was this old house, which is an homage to the Grand Old Opry. And the Opry gave me access to all their archival footage. And so I went through everything and I put together a really nice piece that uh that spoke to the Opry and that old house and that that family of uh you know uh what, a hundred years. And uh and I uh, sent a uh copy to the management company, and uh, you know, they came back and said, uh, this is great, this is really great, I love it. And uh, and, and they said, but uh, we really think you should be in it. <laughs> I wasn't in it. <laughs> and, uh, and I was disappointed and just, you know, uh, a big sigh. I said, no, really, I don't need to be in it. And we went back and forth that way. Uh, for a while, and they finally convinced me that I needed to be in it. And, and part of it was, I I really didn't feel like I needed to be in it. This was going to move people just by watching all these great, you know, Opry moments. And then the other part was, I didn't know how I was going to do it. How how was I going to fit into this? And uh, and so when I agreed, I was going to put myself in the video. I started thinking, and and at one moment i had the idea that i could be the backstage guide and uh and once that happened the ideas started coming and uh the harry potter you know picture frames come to life idea hit me and i called my editor said okay we we have to do this how easy is it going to be you know what do we have to do on the front end so once, once that happened, then the creative juices were flowing, and I, I uh, managed to get it done.
0: You know, I was looking back, and you can tell me if I'm wrong here. Cause I'm going from memory. But I look back, because I had, like everybody else, I had the Killin' Time tape and so th- from the record Killin' Time. But I don't think that was... Was Better Man, uh, uh, my recollection, was Better Man a single before Killin' Time was?
2: Yeah, actually, you know, the first single was set to be straight from the factory and uh and I was worried about it in cities. Uh I knew it would go over in Texas and uh Oklahoma and I was just kind of worried about it and we got to KZLA and uh Los Angeles and Bob Guerra was the program director and we're sitting in his office and uh and um and playing that song and he stops the tape and he says well he said i could add that if you get it into the top 20 so i knew what that meant i didn't i know a lot about the business yet but i also didn't know if it would be okay for me to pull this tape i had in my pocket out and play him something from it um uh, carson schreiber was the promotion guy there and uh, I kind of looked over at him and decided, I'm just going to do it. And I pulled out the tape and I said, uh, I said, Bob, pop this in and play that first song. And it was Better Man. And that's what I was thinking, you know, would be a better first single. But I just, I let him play it. And at the end of the first chorus, he stopped the tape and said, I'll add that out of the box. So we got out of there and called uh, the head of RCA and said, you know, here's what just happened. And the decision was made on the spot to switch to A Better Man.
0: And how fast did that song make you feel like you were firmly in the country music community?
2: It took a while. You know, I was still traveling around in a 12-seater van pulling a U-Haul trailer four or 500 miles a day, a night. And, uh, and, And so... It was about a 17-week climb to number one. So we started promoting it in, uh, I think, late February, and it uh, peaked in mid-June. I think that's 17 weeks. Uh, anyway, it uh, it really it really seemed to be going fast to me, but that was not a quick climb back then. But it was. Rare for a debut single to go to number one, and so I'm hearing all these things, and you know, getting perspective. By the time that hit, I think I was. By the time it really, uh, you know, started to peak, I think I was getting some slots opening for the Judds and and uh, acts like that. So it started to feel more like this is going to work. I'm going to make it.
0: When you guys decided to put out "Killing Time" second, and the song, again, looking back at as my history, I feel like "Killing Time" was even bigger than a better man.
2: Well, it had a uh, it had a step up on "Better Man," and uh, I think it was more of a honky tonk song. And uh, you know, but again, I'm I'm stepping off a debut number one, uh, releasing that so. Uh, that song (laughs) getting at it, I think the promotion team had a little easier time pushing that one out. Um, So it had a little bit of an advantage, but it's, it's also, you know, it's a, it's a different feel and flavor and texture. Better man was kind of Haggard-esque and uh, killing time wasn't. I don't know what I'd call it, but uh, um, it, it, for for me for my sensibilities it really it really felt like this is this is going to you're going to get different things from me. Uh, it was important to me that I had diversity uh, in my body of work, and uh, I felt like that song really spoke to that.
0: What was it like plotting a tour back in the late 80s, early 90s? Would you have to use a phone book to call places? Like what what on the bus would you have a phone book to pull over and call places?
2: Well, uh I had nothing to do with that part of it. I had to uh I I just did interviews and showed up at radio stations and and uh you know, targets, etc. and uh but yeah, back then you know, we'd have to get to a hotel room, get in there and and uh get on the phone. And uh, you know, it was a while before, you know, I got that uh fifteen pound cellular phone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you ever do one you talk about targets and Walmart? So did you ever go to one of these signings and it it got to the point where it was so crazy because you had so many hits in a row?
2: It was crazy. It was uh you know, I've I've said recently you know, that, uh, back then I, I was pretty level headed. I, I feel like I never got the big head. Um, and, that uh, I treated everyone well, but I don't know, uh, because it was so crazy and I wasn't nearly as comfortable with it as I am now. It took me a long time to get used to being famous and, uh, the center of attention and, uh, you know, being in the middle of chaos, uh, it it was, it was really hard to adapt to. So I would, I felt like I went from one chaotic moment to another. And there were times where, uh, you know, we're doing nine shows in a row, one day off, eight shows in a row, one day off. I mean, they, they had me really going and I was reaching the point of uh, really just the point of breaking. And uh told my manager, I said, I'm, I'm not going to last like this. And, you know, we have to have some spacing in there. So, you know, we'd end up getting two days off. <laughs> but I'd spend that doing interviews and, and stuff, you know. So uh, it was really taking a toll on my vocal cords. And I tried to tell him, you know, listen to my listen to my melodies and listen to my songs, you know, I'm not Joe Cocker. I can't, I can't sing these things with a raspy voice. I can't hit those
0: high notes, uh, if I'm worn out. You know, you were talking, Um, talking about dancing with the stars earlier. I was, I didn't know that you were on the second season of the apprentice back in the day. What was that like 2004 doing the apprentice?
2: It was, uh, it was, really uh, i didn't know what i was getting into i saw a clip or two um and you know to me it was going to be going on some people were going to be jerks you know but we're going to go on and do these tasks and i like those kinds of challenges so so i agreed to do it and uh it was 18 and a half hours a day every day but sunday for five and a half weeks wow Um, and some of the people were really hard to be around. Others were great to be around. And, uh, and so I quickly realized that I don't really have, I don't have a strong enough desire to win this thing to compromise who I am. And I would have had to do that. I, I, uh, I felt like, you know, uh, calling up people I know and, and, and asking them for money. I didn't like, uh, I didn't feel like it was great for the charity. I, I, I didn't win a lot of money for my charity. You know, I made more for my charity in two days after that than I did in five and a half weeks. And, uh, and so I, I, I changed, I decided that my goal was going to be to, to, to keep my behavior in in check and to maintain my standard of character and uh, not let anyone draw me into bad behavior. That was my goal. That became all right. I'm going to do my best with the tasks. I'm gonna I'm gonna really limit, you know, calling up people and asking them for money uh, and uh, and I'm just going to try to get through this without letting someone uh, bring out the worst in me. And I ended up, you know, I was uh, fifth place. I was there right through the end, and uh, you know, proud of the way I handled it. But it was, it was, uh, it was disgusting. You know, there was some, some behavior and and that, that that was just really hard
0: to watch. Dang. Well, on on a lighter note, we're going to do one old and one new. And I want to start with, I want to run a few things, a a few song titles that I love by you, and just a a quick sentence or two about, you know, what that song at that time kind of reminds you of. We'll start with When My Ship Comes In.
2: Mm, God, the first thing I thought of was uh, shooting the video for that, and uh, you know the uh, the t-shirt on the sailboat, and uh, it was it was 40 degrees, and they had a hurricane fan on me. <laughs> 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 so so it's so it, it's kind of uh, apropos since the song is about you know being in Colorado uh, and waiting for your ship to come in. The whole reason that song came about was because of a skip Ewing song called "The Coast of Colorado and Hayden and i said you know let's 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 jump off from there and the other part of it was i uh I'm a big jimmy buffett fan and and I wanted uh you know Gulf of Mexico came out of that uh you know love for his music and uh and the the style, the feeling uh, of a ship came out of that too.
0: How about a good run of bad luck?
2: Hayden and I were, uh, we in a hotel in Toronto. Uh, it was, uh, it was crazy snow blizzard. Uh, we had a little time, so we decided to, to try to write a couple of songs. We wrote tuckered out and good run of bad luck. And, uh, Good run of bad luck. We knew what we wanted to say, uh, but we wanted to make sure we had some good lingo. And I played Caesar's Palace a lot. So I thought, you know, they'll know me there if I call. And I called and, and got them to put me through to one of the pit bosses down, uh, at the blackjack tables. And I got him on the phone. And uh, and so I started, uh, you know, just uh, trying to get uh, slang out of him. And, uh, you know, I'd say, like, you know, what do you guys, what do you guys call high rollers? And he said, high rollers. And, <laughs> okay, got that one. And I'd ask him another question, and it would be kind of the same thing. So it got us pretty much nothing. But we uh, we started writing down all of the, the gambling stuff we could think of and just launched into writing.
0: Uh, one more from back in the day, Like the Rain.
2: Sitting, and uh, I had had a house. My first house here in Nashville was way up uh, north of town, and I needed to get into town because it was just too much driving. So I found some uh, condo. I was in a high-rise condo <laughs> in Nashville, and Lisa and I were sitting looking out the window at uh, uh, Highway 70, and it was just pouring rain. She loved it, and uh, I really had had enough of rain in Houston. So, but uh, I started playing, thinking, you know, what's what's rain music sound like? And I started playing that chord progression of the verse, and came up with the first verse. I said, okay, that's that's enough. I'm gonna I'll get with Hayden next chance we get, and we'll write that.
0: I want to ask you about the new record, and we'll, we'll end with this. By the way, if you're listening right now, uh, Clint's Web Store, uh, brand new album-focused merchandise that uh, pre-sale autographed copies of the album, pre-sale CDs, vinyl, uh, go to clintblack.com store. And I guess about the new record, I wonder, you know, just as, as someone who creates myself, like, you don't have to produce the whole thing. You don't have to play guitar. You don't have to do all of the intricate things that you're doing. Why do you keep doing it?
2: To save money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it, it's, uh, you know, I, I from the first demos Hayden and I made where, uh, you know, he showed me how he used an 8-track tape recorder uh, to get as many tracks on there as possible. I, I became interested in that when uh, about 1996 or 7, I uh, lucked into meeting the guys with DigiDesign who created Pro Tools, and they set me up in uh, our place in L.A. down in the basement with uh, the Pro Tools gear, and babysat me through. I beta tested for them. I'd find problems. They'd come fix them, and so I was using Pro Tools and learning more and more about engineering, so uh, when we got this new place in Nashville, I built a studio, and uh, and really started becoming more and more a student of uh, engineering. So uh, I can s- sit and work by myself and do a lot of it, and uh, and I enjoy it. It's uh, it's a challenge, uh, but it's a creative outlet, and the result is there's just it's just more of me going into my music, uh, as much of an expression of myself as I can make. Um. You know i feel it'll be a better end result or at least it'll be more me uh, as much of my uh taste in music my sentiments my uh you know uh w- what i would like to hear the songs when i'm writing them you know they, they they're talking to me already telling me what they want and uh and then when i create the cut the basic track with a band They they are really talking then. And so uh, it's more satisfying to to give the song what it wants or needs myself than to hire someone to do it.
0: Well, I really appreciate the time. Good luck with the new record. It will be your 23rd album. Wow. Except for release June 19th, and Clint promises it will be out June 19th. So we're not moving it. It's going to be out June 19th. Dang it. So... (laughs) Uh, That's it. Clint, it is, uh, uh, hey,
2: man, it's great talking to you. Yeah, yeah, this, was, uh, this was interesting. Um, I never nice know what to, that uh, means.
0: When someone says this is interesting, you're like, interesting good or interesting bad or what?
2: Well, I'm saying interesting good. You know, it, I, I knew I could give you the long answers and ramble around to find the, the point I was making uh, because it's a podcast. But you're also asking different questions that make me think more and go in depth to things. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, I remember joking in the old days about, uh, um, you know, some questions are how did you and Mark O'Connor do that harmonica fiddle swap and live and learn, And, and how did that come together? And then there were the other questions, which were why the hat? (laughs) is that what you wanted clint why the hat yeah (laughs) why that well i finally came up with the the answer to that question why do you wear a black hat and it hit me i know now it's because it makes my head look thinner
0: Mm, i I need to wear a black hat (laughs) i've had a a big head my whole life when i was a kid when i was a young kid my mom would have to cut slits into the sides of my t-shirts to get my head to go through because it was abnormally large Oh
2: man! Yeah, I just had to make room for all those brains. Yeah,
0: I guess, I guess. Uh, also, uh, one of my best friends, and because we're going to play some of this on my my radio show too, because I'm such a big fan, and I'm going to you know do radio and podcasts. All this is going to be used everywhere, and even the countdown. So, um, but one of my dearest friends is named Eddie, and he was just recently asked on the national show if he could quarantine with one artist, who would it be? And he picked you, Clint Black. And
2: I, I, I saw that. I saw your tweet. I saw that. I was just curious what it's like. And, you know, Clint and I have nothing in common. And I'm thinking, yeah, (laughs) we do. And then I went, no, wait a minute. I wasn't even my first concert. We have nothing in common.
0: What what do you do during quarantine? Like, what are you doing all? What are you watching? Like, what can I give to him to show him that you guys probably do have some stuff in common?
2: Uh, Well, I'm, I'm... Watched everything on Netflix. We watched uh, Ozark. Oh, man. Uh, Me every, too. Every movie. Um, you know, love, uh, uh, you know, I've watched the uh, uh, documentaries that uh, Ray Romano made on building a uh, stand up act and that Jerry Seinfeld did on where he took you all the way back to his first joke at the place he told it and went through all of his uh, old material. And then his new documentary on. Uh, on building his new material. So I, I love to follow that stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I'm I'm betting he's an Andy Griffith fan. Of course, we all are. Uh, but, uh, you know, for, for the old oh, Bosch. Bosch on uh, Amazon Prime is the best detective show ever. If you want to watch a show where the guy's not... Uh, you know, sh- you know, swinging off the side of a train, throwing grenades inside to kill the bad guys. You know, a real detective show, um, Bosch.
0: I'm gonna pass all that uh, to Eddie and tell him this is what you two would be doing, watching Bosch and Ray Romano write for his first joke. That's it. All right,
2: Clint. And then we were we were made for each other for <laughs> quarantine.
0: All right, hey, uh, I'll let you get back to your life. But I'm again, I'm a massive fan. Thank you for your time and. Uh, good luck with the record and man just uh just keep being awesome
2: hey thanks you too a big fan big fan of yours and uh i really enjoyed this thanks thanks hopefully uh, i'll talk to you soon and and let's get out there and uh, work again soon
0: all right hopefully i'll see you soon
2: hope so all right bye-bye
0: thanks bye T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. You can probably spell it. You probably know it. T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. Find your new favorite pair of boots today. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?